Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. On this week's Highways Voices, we're talking leadership again. But when you've got in your triangle and you've come up with a collective decision, then I'll back you 100%. You make that decision, it's your call, you make it for the right reasons. If you are a lone wolf and you make a decision entirely on your own, without consultation, if you're right, then that's fine, but you're lucky. If you're wrong and you have not consulted with your colleagues in the triangle, then we'll have a very difficult and very different conversation. How do you lead a team, give them the freedom and the tools to make decisions, but ensure success? We'll lead the conversation on that very topic on today's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, hearing from the people who matter in the transport technology industry. Peter Anderson, Managing Director, Transport Infrastructure at Amy, is our guest on Highways Voices today. We'll hear from him in a moment, but first let's catch up with the latest from the Highways News newsroom again. Here's Adrian Tatum. So on Highways News this week, Paul, the government has announced a £35 million investment for vital improvements to the A40 in Oxford. The vital upgrades will be carried out on the A40 to ease congestion, boost local bus services and allow the construction of thousands of new homes in the area. Following an all-party review of highways, the first of its kind in the UK, Nottinghamshire County Council has announced they will move away from temporary road repairs where possible to more permanent measures and using a variety of different surface treatments. News from our part, one of our partners on Highways News, SRL. The SRL buyout facilitates ambitious growth strategy. So the, the infrastructure company 3i Infrastructure has purchased a 92% controlling stake with SRL promising more growth in the future. And also this week, West Midlands Mayor has appointed the region's first ever cycling walking commissioner. The Mayor of the West Midlands, Andy Street, is appointing a new cycling walking commissioner to accelerate plans to get more people moving around the region. And finally, the Gloucestershire County Council has announced a new roads and transport director. Civil engineer Jason Hum will take up the position in March. As well as those, there's also news that London's number one in the world for congestion, according to Inrix. Aimson has won a new Paris planning contract. New research boosts the case for curbside management tools. More concerns over e-scooter safety is voiced and the winners of the Reese Jeffries Road Fund Roads of the Future competition are announced. You can read all of these plus so many more stories on our website. Remember to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Details are in the blurb and you can sign up for our daily email into your inbox every lunchtime. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Now it's been a while since we've talked to one of our industry leaders about how to run a successful team. So we return to that subject today on Highways Voices with Peter Anderson, Amy's Managing Director of Transport Infrastructure, who chatted to Adrian and started by saying what a good leader is. Let's start with clarity of vision and purpose. So I think a leader needs to be absolutely clear and steadfast about the strategic direction required in the business or the task at hand, uh, whatever it might be within the function. Um, And I think the leader also needs to be clear and flexible around adapting the ultimate destination um, to circumstances, external environmental impacts that might 
have an effect on the journey or the direction of the journey. So a leader needs to be flexible um, in, in terms of responding to COVID-19, for instance, and, and, and events like that, that that are unthought of and unplanned for and unsuspected happening. So a leader needs to focus very clearly and resolutely on the ultimate destination, but a leader needs to be flexible on the journey to that destination, Adrian, such that they can accommodate impacts, changes that may impact on on the, the, the journey direction in terms of the final destination. I think the leader must remain resolute uh, and must believe in the ultimate destination as the as the right solution for the business and must then start to communicate and articulate that vision and the value of that journey to the people in the business, the participants uh, in that journey, inspire them and lead them to higher performance, quicker outcomes, better customer service, improved health and safety performance, better engagement of their teams, and so that cascades down through the organisation. I think the leader needs to be honest. I think the leader needs to be authentic, in my opinion, because that's how leaders are better able to to create followership. And what a leader needs above all other things is is a team that, that follows the vision, follows the direction of travel, um, and feels valued and gets feedback by the leader. And you, you joined Amy during the pandemic. How much of a challenge was that to be a good leader through that period of time where you've got people working in different places, where you're not knowing what, what work's going on, what work will be stopped? What, what did you learn as a leader yourself and, and what did you learn as a company after that? So I, I think the first thing we learned as a company was the value of our frontline services. You know, we absolutely um, and firmly believe now that that our people on the front line are our key workers. They are absolutely critical to the services we deliver, uh, and they're absolutely critical to the service that our customers expect from them. They're very proud to work for Amy. They're very proud of their public service, uh, and they're absolutely committed to the customer, uh, the services they deliver, and to Amy. So that was a a real strong message that we got back from the experience of of COVID and the lockdown. In terms of joining a business in lockdown as a leader, obviously most of my communication, certainly in the early months, was virtual via Teams. I think our business, as many others have, Adrian, have reacted tremendously well to the virtual meeting and the virtual environment. As a leader, you've got to change how you influence people. What the people see of me is a small image on a screen. Therefore, your ability to influence and engage has got to be through that medium that is a a laptop screen or even worse, a, a mobile phone screen. So how do you connect with people virtually? As a leader, I happen to be six foot five and, and 17 stone. So I'm, I'm quite a presence in a room. And one of the things that was quite amusing, actually, when I did start to get out and about and meet some of the team was their first observation was of me was, bloody hell, you're tall. Well, Adrian, I've always been this height since I was 16, but I was dealing with a lot of people who've never physically met me. And so that was an interesting observation. 
do I use my physical presence in leadership? Yeah, maybe I do. Maybe it is part of uh, the package of, of, of leader that I am. But I was not able to, to bring that to bear at all in influencing people in a virtual world. So um, I, I think the language we use, our tone, the eye contact that we can get through teams is really, really important uh, in terms of quickly engaging with people and getting them on board with the with the with the vision and the purpose. Doing that virtually is a different experience. We draw on different skills in terms of communication, uh, far less on the physical and obviously more on the on the virtual comms. But I think we've all got much more structure to our lives with teams. I know for myself, we're not late to our meetings. There's very little chit chat in our meetings. They're very focused. The agendas are very clear. Uh, and we come out with arguably better outcomes. I think what we are missing is that human interaction, that human engagement uh, and that ability to bounce ideas off each other and perhaps be a bit more creative. So in summary, my view is through COVID, we are surviving rather than thriving. I'm looking forward to workshopping, uh, being more creative being more engaging and being more connected to the business. And of course, a, b- a big part of leadership is, is being a good manager of people. How do you empower those people in the right way to do their job at the best of their ability, but at the same time, you know, develop that two-way engagement philosophy? In Amy, we're, we're running a, a cultural change programme that, that Amanda Fisher launched 18 months ago. Amanda's called the cultural change program in Amy Freedom to Perform. And and what that means fundamentally is we want to empower our people to make decisions at the right level in the organization. And what I mean by that is, is we should be making our decisions where the data is richest and, and where the where the experience and, and the and the intimacy with that particular problem is closest. And and what Amy, I think, has been guilty of in the past is a very hierarchical leadership framework where too many of the decisions are sent up the line um, and a response is waited for. What that does is remove any form of accountability and a lot of responsibility from the business up to the senior leadership. They become overwhelmed. They lose focus on the strategic challenges the business faces because they're solving tactical problems. So what freedom to perform means is you are accountable to make the decisions at the right level in your organization. I ask two things of you before you make that decision at your level. Is that action that results from that decision, is it safe? So is it safe? not only from a health and safety perspective, but of course that's critically important, but is it safe from a legal perspective? Is it safe for Amy from a commercial perspective, from a a humanitarian perspective, from an environmental perspective, and indeed from a political perspective? And the second question that I ask my people to ask themselves is, is it the right thing to do? We are encouraging our teams to form project triangles. It's an equilateral triangle with three corners. That means that each corner has an equal voice in the decision-making process. At the top of the triangle is the project manager or the sector director or the business director or the managing director. 
the left hand corner of the triangle is commercial and on the right it's finance. Finance controls cost or is accountable for cost reporting. Commercial are responsible for value and the commercial relationship through the contract. Project manager is overall accountable. Managing director is overall accountable. So when you ask yourselves, is it the right thing to do? I want you to get into your triangle, engage with commercial and finance. Maybe you need further support from health and safety, functionally, or from HR, or indeed from planning. But when you've got in your triangle and you've come up with a collective decision, then I'll back you 100%. You make that decision. It's your call. You make it for the right reasons. If you are a lone wolf and you make a decision entirely on your own, without consultation, if you're right, then that's fine, but you're lucky. If you're wrong and you have not consulted with your colleagues in the triangle, then we'll have a very difficult and very different conversation. So in essence, freedom to perform is about empowering decision making to the right level in the organization where the data is richest. And then when you make that decision at that level, you ask yourselves two questions. Is it safe and is it the right thing to do? Now, having said all of that, Adrian, as you'd expect, we've got PLC governance within our organization and we've got delegated authorities. So the teams understand the levels of authority that they have. Freedom to perform is all about encouraging to them to make those decisions that sit within their delegated authorities. But we have a hierarchy of approvals for, for tenders, for for commercial settlement, uh, for pricing uh, and for legal disputes, all which must follow our, our governance across the, the whole of the Amy Group. And they're well understood and, and well tested. And it's more, more and more important that, that businesses like Amy in the highways and transport sector show leadership in the communities that they work. How have you managed and improved that process? So I, I think an important part of the of the role that, that Amy fulfills for government. If we look at, at central government, Amy is, is one of, if not the biggest supplier of services into central government across our sector. And we take that responsibility very seriously, Adrian. And we recognise that as a delivery vehicle for for government, we've got a responsibility to to be seen to be supporting a number of the government initiatives and the and the and the drivers of central government and social value is is just one example of that. Um, so we take that responsibility seriously. So we a part of what we deliver is longer term frameworks, Adrian. So generally, Amy are in the community for a, a number of years. So we run Sheffield PFI thirty year contract, and we're now in year seventeen. Um, you know, we run Highways England frameworks where we're there for eight or more years. We do the same with Transport for Wales in our rail business. We're running highways with Kent County Council. We've been there eight years and we'd like to be there for another eight years. So what you get with Amy is, is longevity of tenure in the community. And that gives us a fantastic opportunity to work closely with that community, adding social value in terms of employment opportunities. Uh, with the local community, engaging local suppliers um, into that supply chain. So we've got a strong drive through our procurement team to engage locally 
a number of the national customers, HS2, Highways England um, and Network Rail, are encouraging local supply chain. And, and that's an advantage that you get with Amy. You know, we're not one of the major contractors who move around the country building major projects here for two years and then gone for, for the next 10. Generally, we're in the area for a sustained period. We look to employ locally. We also, through central functions, look to engage with um, military veterans. We look to engage with ex-offenders. You know, AIM—we've got businesses that maintain prison estates. We've got a, a joint venture, Geo Amy, that that relocates prisoners on remand and 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 prisoners requiring location throughout the country. So there's a real synergy for Amy and a personal challenge to help support and rehabilitate ex-offenders. So we've got a very strong program of of employing individuals who who've, who've in their lives, for whatever reason, have, have taken the wrong turn at the wrong point and they need to be helped to to put their lives back on track so we welcome um, ex-offenders into amy through a through a process of of re-employment and and we've got a huge program as you'd expect uh, around diversity and inclusion and we're very pr proud of our uh, of our stats around diversity and inclusion and, and in fact our ceo is female um and um, and we're very proud of that fact and, and a further example of of our response to that challenge around diversity and inclusion. It's been said as a whole, Peter, as well, that highways and transport industry in general needs to move from being more focused on outputs to outcomes. What's your take on this? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, that's a, a very important aspect of, of my personal leadership, Adrian. So what, what, what I want to see is positive outcomes for, for our teams in terms of of what they're delivering, um, what they're committing to deliver and how I manage their performance. So I am not obsessed about, uh, and, and none of us are in the organisation around presenteeism. So we have a flexible working arrangement. We've got um, flexible working hours. Um, I am measured by my boss on, on the outcomes of my performance and the, and the performance of my business. Do I deliver the outcomes that I've committed to deliver in terms of top line sales, in terms of uh, gross margin, in terms of the health and safety performance, the well-being of my people? Yes, we have KPIs that, that measure our performance, but we're measuring on outcomes uh, rather than, than outputs. How does the customer feel about their engagement with Amy? Uh, we do that on an emotional level as well as on a, on a tactical measuring uh, basis. So it, it's very important that, that contracts should reflect outcomes rather than outputs. And what's encouraging for me is increasingly where we're bidding for work, where we're asked to provide suggested measurements on outcomes rather than outputs. And it's challenging our people. But I think with the Amy team, having an integrated consulting business within Amy having frontline expertise and experience on managing assets, I think we've got a compelling offer around a more intelligent asset management solution from Amy. And just finally on leadership, Peter, as an industry, what more should we do we need to show in terms of leadership? I think we need to, we, there's a number of things that we need to double down on. I think mental health and well-being, particularly 
through the pandemic. I think we need we need to double down on. I think the industry is starting to get that. Um, I think we're a we're a predominantly male workforce of a certain age where mental health issues and the challenge around starting the conversation around mental health is a difficult challenge. You know, I, I class myself as a as a male in that in that fifty age bracket. Um, you know that that openness and 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 um, willingness to 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 have a conversation or start a conversation about your mental well being. Um, it's all part of your overall health and well being. You know, we talk a lot about physical health and safety, but you know, we need to. We've started the conversations. We need to talk much more about mental health and well being, Adrian, for sure. Um, so I think we need to double down on that. I think we need to double down on the carbon agenda. You know, we're talking about let's tackle the carbon agenda and let's target absolute zero, not for our benefit necessarily, but for our children and our grandchildren's benefit. And I think those of us now in positions of influence, many of us have children, many of us indeed have grandchildren. So we should do it for their benefit and we shouldn't be climate change deniers and we shouldn't be carbon deniers you know we're seeing the evidence you know almost every day now on the news about the impacts of climate change if it's not horrendous floods it's wildfires if it's not wildfires it's drought you know if it's not drought it's it's storm wind and tempest you know we're seeing the evidence of that so it is real uh, and, and and as leaders in the industry and and, and across business We've got a responsibility to do something about it. But, yeah, there's just a couple of areas, mental health, um, and I think climate change and the carbon agenda are two um, real issues that we need to we need to focus on. Wise words from Amy's Peter Anderson there, and we'll look forward to hearing more from him in the new year. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. So before we go, there's one more thing we have to do, which is, of course... Adrian's accolade. Adrian, who wins this week? My accolade this week goes to all of the Highways Heroes at the first Highways Heroes Awards, a Safer Highways initiative that was launched earlier this year and culminated with a ceremony at the end of last week in London, set up to recognise the people in our industry that go above and beyond to help or facilitate improvement in some way. So all of them are worthy winners of my accolade, but also worthy winners of the very first Highways Heroes Awards. So well done to the Highways Heroes winning Adrian's accolade this week. And that's it for Highways Voices today. We'll round off next week with a review of our first year of podcasts here from Highways News. But let me dangle a carrot. So there will be a few examples of where things didn't go quite right on the podcast over the months. So do join us and remember to subscribe for these into your inbox. We're on all your favourite favorite podcast platforms and the details are in the blurb talk next week with highlights and bloopers highways voices join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry 